From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Hello, Americus. Hey, Barbara. How are you doing today? It's unbelievable. First of all, let me just say I'm excited because the fall is here. Are, are you picking up the crisp coolness yeah, in the air? it's a little cooler. The that students. hot, hot, hot oh, stuff is gone. Oh, I love it. It's exciting. What are we going to talk about today? Well, let's well, talk about how world is different. The world is different. <laughs> and let's talk a little bit about marketing and technology, technology. in this new fall okay. Barbara, season. Barbara, I'm nervous because I am a digital immigrant, Ooh. and I'm already behind on everything. I You're am- helping me get you know used to TikTok and all these other WeChat, <laughs> a million things. So please calm, my, calm me and help assuage my fears because I believe that AI and all of this technology is so overwhelming. I feel like I'm stuck. I need some help. What have you got for yeah. Yes, you definitely do need help because we went to a faculty (laughs) meeting today and we were told artificial intelligence is as smart as our students are. Oh, dear. And be prepared for that. Be prepared. So in order to be prepared, we've invited as our guest in this section of the the show, Marty Swant, who's a senior reporter at Digiday. He covers marketing and technology. And we're hoping, Marty, that you can tell us some stuff. Yes, that we're going to keep our jobs, Marty. (laughs) We're we're hoping that you just... Calm us all down here. We're a little bit nervous of this uh, impending existential crisis. So, Marty, <laughs> t- uh, we have a list of some of your articles that you've written about recently. But tell us just in general, like, what your feeling is in writing on this topic. And, you know, I mean, are you as scared as we are? Like, what's, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> I guess one of the scariest things is the fact that there's so much happening. I can't write about it all at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wish I could, could uh, Marty bought a guest to write more. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> But it's um yeah it, it's so interesting you know I first started covering I guess AI seven years ago and back then it was you know more of a one off here here and there with different things and more so a novelty but really since January covering it almost full time these days and it's you know any given week there's ten fifteen announcements both good and bad you know, mm. dangers of AI and benefits of AI and mm. it's. It's, uh, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, I guess. Well, you know, if we're going to be newsy and timely like our show always is, <laughs> right? I mean, I suppose the story we should start with is is not kind of the things Americans and I were talking about, but some of the stuff that is newsy, which is like the Google stuff and the Sherman Act. And, you Sherman know, Act. like wow. you, wrote, you wrote a very interesting yes. article that's called What the Fuck is the Sherman oh, wow. Act? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are on satellite radio. Thank you for that, Barbara. I'm always, I'm always excited with your F-bombs. So this is great. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, so that's like, that's an aspect of it. There's like IP right. issues all over the place on this, let alone some of these other issues. But you want to tell us a little bit of that? Because that seems to be pretty timely. Yeah, sure. We'll just kind of a brief, brief recap. Yeah, so the, that serves as an explainer exactly about the Sherman Act as part of uh, this ongoing series that Digiday has, uh, our WTF series, where um, we, we take different, <laughs> like, uh, no swearing in the headlines there. But it's, um, <laughs> we, Take different, you know, complex, complex aspects of, you know, ad tech or, t- you know, TV or whatever else and explain it for people. Um, so with that one, it's interesting because at the core of this uh, Google antitrust cases is, is really this uh, this 19th century uh, antitrust law called the Sherman Act, which came out at the height of the Gilded Age uh, back when uh, they were trying to reign and control the robber barons, you know, the Vanderbilts and, and the Rockefellers back then. And, mm-hmm. and so it's interesting, you know, so the piece was really looking at how the same 
the, the evolution of this of this law and how the same law that was used to break up Standard Oil is is now being at, really at the crux of uh, of the DOJ's case against Google right now. Yeah, so it, so the idea is that's to break up Google that they have too much power. That's the kind of thing that's happening with the that's well, <laughs> that's a good question. I guess that's for the judge to decide when it, you know, if if they, you know it's kind of a part part two of the case. But really, it's they have to first decide whether or not you know it's violated the law. Then there's the remedy part after whether or not it would be broken up. But but the EU is actually looking at trying to break up Google. But that's all. Obviously, very different laws in different cases. Um, but Google's really facing three, four, I forget how many now, antitrust cases all at once. Ooh. But, you know, what's interesting about this is Google's actually behind on AI, what we were talking about. Like, aren't they? Like, they're they're trying to play catch up with their – what's their um, chat GPT <laughs> called? It's not – it's like Bard or something. <laughs> Bard, yeah. I, yeah. I forget what theirs yeah. is called. Yeah, Bard. Yeah, so it's, it's a good question. I guess if they're behind it kind of – Depends on who you ask, but really early this year when Microsoft, well, really when, when OpenAI, you know, got a lot of traction around ChatGPT, there was that question that Microsoft investing $10 billion really, you know, gave people the question of will Microsoft be able to catch up on search, you know, if, yeah. if Google was behind. And of course, Google has a lot of capabilities around, you know, AI with their own large language models and whatnot. And, and even just earlier this week, they rolled out some new tools for Bard mm. that are going to you know, help people to connect, you know, get answers in their Gmail and, and oh. Google Docs drive but it still has a lot of questions too. like there are a lot of errors too like when it you know answers c- correctly or not but i mean it's it's really going to upend search so that's definitely the yeah, wild card yeah, case yeah. in the antitrust case too because technology if it moves faster than the you know the litigation system it's um you know it, it's really what slowed down you know kind of changed things for the ibm case in 69 and, mm. and uh and mm-hmm. the microsoft case a couple decades ago it's right really uh the tech and market changing yeah, so let okay, so that's the Google case. That's what's going on. They're 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 talking about whether they're too powerful or, you know, I guess, you know. But that's kind of really super smart though, Barbara, isn't it to be able to like we're going to take all these AI tools like you're saying, Marty, and integrate them already into the ecosystem that you're already buried in. And so they just kind of show up as additional options that you could that are easy to sort of engage with. That's because what you're Google's the, strategy is. Yeah, is that what you mean? I yeah. think so. And I'm asking. I yeah, think that's yeah. kind of the approach, right? Yeah, right. But I'm just saying they're also behind in it. As far as I understand, some of these other ones are – but, you know, never underestimate Google, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's no, definitely a good question. I think it's interesting to read some of the – I guess the research papers that a lot of professors and academics are doing, kind of comparing and contrasting some of these large language models. But yeah, some would say they're behind in ways. And I think others, I mean, Google has, to the point, it has so much scale already that yeah. even when they affect these things, well, no, they're always going to have flaws and people are starting to live with those as almost like features rather than bugs. But I mean, yeah, they're often, I would love to have better ways of looking through my email for trends rather than having to do keyword searches. Yeah, <laughs> you right, know, but right. um. Yeah, there. You know, I think it's interesting to see how these tools are being embedded into whether it's Google's platform or Microsoft's, and and a lot of the startups that are popping up that mm. also want to integrate and kind of you know latch on to that scale that these platforms already have. Well, if, do you mind? Like, maybe we could go back to the very beginning, and you could start defining some terms for us and telling us what your thinking is and just yes. giving us your opinion on all that. Yes. So there's generative AI, there's LLM models, there's there's all of that stuff and I know that you've been written you've been writing about some of that stuff. Can so can you give just kind of a little bit background like I guess sometimes you call these these briefings yeah. on some of these issues. We call just, it AI and generative AI for dummies. Yeah, for, like, for, just <laughs> do a little bit of that. Like not necessarily for, I know the Google story is kind of the newsy story, but like Let's go back to some of the – since you've been writing on it for seven years, some of the background and just give us your sense on it. 
Sure. Yeah. So, so the generative AI, you know, trend is really kind of cut up obviously the last year or so, but you know, it really kind of dates back, you know, year, you know, anyway, don't, don't need to get into all too, too much of the history, I guess, and bore you guys with it, but it's, it's, it's really looking at the ways that these, uh, these, it's a type of AI model that is able to uh, produce, whether it's text or content or, or like images or video based on these massive troves of data. So essentially what they're doing with text, for example, is based on these, this is oversimplifying, but really taking these billions of, you know, words or millions of documents and being able to predict what is likely to come next and answering questions based on what's being asked. So it's really a way of replicating kind of real life conversation, but, you know, it's huh. still very predictive other than a human would think about things. But with images, for example, they're, they're taking in, you know, millions of images and then generating up really a composite based on that. And so, um, which has a lot of potential for scaling things, whether it's ad campaigns or, videos or whatnot, but a yes, lot of dangers yes. too when it comes to deep fakes and everything else. Right. So there's those issues like what's real, what's not real. That's the kind of thing you keep coming back to. Like, you know, is it errorful or is it truthful? And what's the IP issues and things like that. But what are some of the things that they can do? Like, have you written about like the positive, <laughs> the positive <laughs> side of it, you know, like what is it? That, what can it do besides take all our jobs? Yeah, no. like why? Why should we be excited about yeah, all of this? Yeah. I mean, I actually feel excited about it, but maybe I'm delusional. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it, it definitely is exciting. It's, it's interesting time to write about both the risks and and the, the potential rewards and benefits. But you know, for example, there just on the marketing front, um, there is a kind of a startup I wrote about probably back in February, I think, or March, where couple of uh, uh, one guy's kind of long time uh, strategy, you know, strategy that different agencies paired up with a developer to create a, a platform essentially using, you know, um, an LLM to they, they train this AI model on a lot of award winning creatives. So, you know, you know, campaigns that won can't line awards and, and, yeah, and, right. you, know, uh, you know, different awards, you know, you know, uh, brackets. And, and so essentially if you use a platform, you can type in, Hey, I want to have a campaign on X, Y, or Z. And it'll actually give you strategy around that. So yeah. everyone's talking about the content, but one of the things is strategy is so important as well. So that's kind of an interesting use case of a startup kind of popping up from this, or mm-hmm. others will use, you know, other startups are using, uh, you know, generally add to create, whether it's blogs or press releases. Yes. Or, yes. Yeah. You're There's, seeing a lot of blogs, marketers press, use that. Yeah, 100%. I think a lot of people are doing that. And you got yeah, vote- Adobe's baking it into Adobe's baking it into everything through Firefly. They, yep. they had like a million, a billion images that were created from like March when it came out to August. And in the last, like from August to September, they got another billion image. So they're seeing wow. a lot of momentum there, I guess. It's on um, the Momentum, that's amazing that's growth kind of stuff. But if you, if you think about it, Marty and Barbara, it's like, think about all, there's a, there's a, a wide swath of like companies that this is an amazing thing for them, right? They can't afford like some external agency to come out and create all this stuff. They can't afford to hire these expensive graphic designers. They can just jump on and like do this automation process now. There's, a, I mean, the, the smaller companies, right? I mean, think about how they can just level up in terms yeah, of competition. It's a, it's a ground level, yeah. leveler. So everybody has access to this. Like everybody can have access to ChatGPT4, which is incredible, right? I mean, it's, that's true. That's a good question. Yeah, I, I guess depending, I guess, on how you look at you know the word access to right? So like you know the average person can definitely use ChatGPT, you know, uh, you know through OpenAI on their website, and obviously a lot of companies are already embedding uh, kind of the enterprise version of this into different platforms mm. for whether it's you know uh, the companies that are using it for e-commerce to track e-commerce data, you know, and whatnot. So there are a lot of 
ways that inter- you know, users are able to interact with this, even if they don't realize it. Mm. But I think that the big question there too, and this is a big question for you know regulators and everyone else, is who should have access to you know I guess the the raw versions of these LLMs, and uh. and because there are a lot of things you could do with this, you know, for, for better, for worse. And mm-hmm. whether there are questions around accuracy or whatnot, but gotcha. you know, this could be used for phishing attacks for example, to scale that. Um, yes. But one of the big questions is, you know, should there be like a consumer grade version of this versus more of the enterprise stuff? I see. And just also Barbara and Marty, help me understand as well, the financial aspects of this. How do these, how do these platforms make money? What is the business model? How do they? How 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 are these things getting monetized? I mean, I, ChatGPT is free, right? I mean, we have to sign well, up, but you don't pay you for do it. Have do you have to. When you, you go pay? to four, if you okay. go to ChatGPT four, you have to pay oh, a monthly you have to fee. Pay a monthly it's not that much. Okay. but It's like I forget what it is. A couple it's dollars like ten, or something. Something like ten dollars. Okay, or something like that's that. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah talk about that. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm giving away my money. For, no, I'm 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 some I subscribe to it just to be able to test. But yeah, it's about twenty bucks a month. So like a well, yeah. a subscription, I guess, to Spotify. Okay, yeah. interesting, interesting. Yeah, so it's not free. Okay. But okay. it's, uh, you know, like we were told, we better start playing with it. We yeah. better spend a number of hours here so that we can understand it. How many hours have you spent <laughs> on ChatGPT4? How many tens of hundreds and, of hours, Like, right? how good are your prompting? Yeah. How, how have you learned <laughs> yeah. how to prompt? And, and tell us your most recent prompt you used. Yeah. To, uh... <laughs> oh, gosh, I, I'd have to look at that. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's interesting. I've been doing a lot of A-B testing between, like, you know, yeah, you know, GPT four and Bard, and then mm. also kind of, you know, also using Bing, which obviously is powered by you know, you know, GPT four as well. But like, because that's obviously a little bit different too. But you know, other ones like Anthropic has one called Claude. So I've been doing a lot of A/B testing on these different ones. But um, how often do I use? It? I don't know. It's I've one of the things I like using it for is even analyzing massive, let's say, like long PDFs. Let's say you have a research paper, or whatever else you can you can upload that in there, and then you can ask it questions, and it'll help you find things or look at trends. It's, it's not always accurate, wow. but it's really useful to kind of look at you know if something comes up on something or comparing and contrasting two documents. So that's one of the things I've really enjoyed it for is just huh. trying to get to the nut of you know research, for example, and 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 going from there. So let me just get this straight. So you're a reporter who works in this area. So you get a lot of, like you're saying, you get a lot of these technical reports and things like that, and you have to sift through it. So one thing yeah. you can do with, with these oh, different engines is throw all these reports and get summary statements or tell me the main points. Or if I were a yeah. reporter writing for Digiday, like what do you think is the most interesting thing from this report? Like you can write those kinds of prompts, right? Wow. And then they will tell you the things to look at. Is that interesting. correct? Interesting. Yeah. That's, that's a good question. So I remember um, there's a not too long ago there was a paper that I think it was uh, of which I don't want, I don't want to get the school wrong. But, uh, I wrote about one of my pieces, but um, they these academics looked at uh, researching GPT. I think it's three point five to see how accurate it was in predicting uh, consumer like like price thresholds for mm. for different things. So it, and so they they looked at Colgate versus Crest, for example, and to see like if it could mm. predict you know what someone would pay for something. Interesting. But um, so with that one, I was able to use it and say like, Hey, so what are the, the marketing related implications of this research or uh, what are, what are yeah. some unanswered questions from this research? And then I can use that to maybe help inform my reporting or, or maybe think of angles that maybe haven't been covered yet. Interesting. So Interesting. do you think you use it every single day? Oh yeah. Multiple times. Multiple a day. times. Yeah. Isn't that a while? That's incredible. Wow. Another use case I yeah. was thinking of Barbara, I was thinking of uh, the current, situation with all of these indictments that's going on with the former president and the idea that <laughs> seriously the idea that there's millions and millions of documents of, of evidence to try to go through and read and understand and all that so anything where there's a situation where there's a lot of information to your point marty that needs to be summar- summarized or queried 
or organized or somehow filtered in a, in a parsimonious framework. I mean, this has tons of case examples that, that allow you to be so much more efficient. Is that is that is, are we seeing that that also happening kind of in the legal world? You know, the, the, I could think of another use case in the in the in the um, in the medical world where it's like. You're trying to you're trying to predict a diagnosis so you can feed it symptoms and you can just ask you know ask it to look at every single case of documented symptoms to out to you know what happened to the patient and like doctors can use it to like do all kinds of stuff but this notion of summarizing information quickly Barbara I think is like a pretty massive yeah. use case is that are you seeing a lot of that Marty? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's definitely something that people are experimenting with for different, you know, obviously different industries. I know there's you know, a financial services firm that's using it to uh, help their analysts kind of you know, track, you know, different types of data. But the, the key thing is on the back end, making sure that the data is pulling is actually going to be accurate and mm. how does it actually produce it. So I think whenever people are using this, whether it's for summaries or whatever else, it's making sure that you go back and fact check things and, 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 mm. and really not using it as maybe the, the, the gospel truth per se, but like you know, really looking at it and making sure that you're uh, you know, is that because, for example, on the legal front, there's a it's pretty viral story from I didn't write this one, but you know, there's a lawyer that used, you know, so for whatever they used ChatGPT or something, and actually, you know, uh, the they end up generating a fake like some fake case law, for example, mm. that was then cited in there. So and anyway, so it kind of get really dangerous if you're using it for things you're submitting, like whether it's legal filings. Or, so I would the first thing I always say is you know make sure to fact check everything. Don't necessarily. So how do you fact it. check it? <laughs> Well, how do you well, do that? Because yeah, like yeah, not so, everything on the internet's true either. Right. So where am I going to fact check any right, of this? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. And that's something that, you know, um, we'll just, just give it a real life, I guess, marketing example there. So um, when Google YouTube had its, you know, its, um, you know, its new front a few months ago, um, it announced all these different things is right, right around the time that obviously Bard was kind of, you know, being developed and rolled out and whatnot too. So I asked Google Bard, "Hey, what did you know YouTube announced at its new front today?" And it was actually interesting because it, it generated it, it. It gave me answers for three or four brand partnerships that were announced that actually were fake. And mm. so it said like it's doing like a content series for YouTube Shorts with like Nike and Google. So I made up this stuff and said, "Oh," and I I asked just out of curiosity. I said, "So where do you have this information from?" And it replied and said, it's from a press release from Google. Here's a quote from Google's CEO. And I made up a fake quote. And wow. so obviously, like, but I don't use, but yeah, but I don't use bar to fact check. But then I go and I look at that information and then I either, you know, then I actually confirm, you know, I try to confirm it with, you know, Google in that case. And I said, hey, like, Google, you know, I haven't seen these announcements anywhere. I know that Bard has a lot of hallucination issues, like the all, all the LLMs do. <laughs> is this accurate or is this? And it was false. Yeah. And they confirmed That's that it was false, but it was. I mean, not to fault Google there, but I think it's a great example of how it's a little microcosm for how, you know, even the companies developing this, it can they can mess up their own news. And so, but it's always good to fact check things, whether it's with mm. other news articles or experts, rather than relying on the answers themselves. But don't you think that in the next, I mean, you just said like till August, there were like a billion something or other. And then from August to September, there was another billion of something. I forgot what that things yeah. were. But Images, it pictures. Just, yeah, pictures. Yeah. It yeah. just do, you know, doubled you know, in a tiny bit of time. So don't you think it's just a matter of time before this, these things get more accurate? That's a good question. I mean, some would say so. You know, I think some people think they will get more accurate. Um, others say it's going to be a it's going to be an issue that people always have to deal with because you know at the end of the day, like these things are massive troves of information, but they're not necessarily you know a computer has no idea of you know always what's true or what. I mean, I'm not a computer scientist, so like you know there are people that can explain this better than me. But 
I think it, improvements will happen, but there's always the question of, will it, you know, get good enough? But I think what has really stuck with me is something that Sam Altman, the co-founder of mm-hmm. and CEO of OpenAI mentioned in, in his actually first, you know, appearance in front of Congress a few months ago when he testified, he said, well, right now people, you know, generally know to fact check things and, and the hallucination problem is pretty well known. <laughs> said what worries him is actually when these things get so good that people start to trust them and don't fact check. That's right. So yeah. that's, that's right. So like, as we start to trust these things really, you know, uh, you know, further, you know, trust the accuracy, will we stop you know, relying on ourselves and other sources of input? But we've seen that with Facebook too, right? Like everybody has seen things on Facebook that they don't know are true or not. And but how how often do people actually go and fact check things, or do they see a meme or an article and and uh, just share it without even double checking? Yeah, totally. yeah. And we know from research, even if you're told that it's false, once it's in your head, it's it there, can it's influence yep. you. That's regardless, right. even if you're told it's false, it can still influence you. So, can you tell us a little bit since you've been looking at this, just like what the landscape looks like? You've mentioned a whole bunch of words. Can you? I mean, different kinds of products. Can you just like lay them out and the advantages <laughs> of one or the other? So there's ChatGPT, exactly. all these names. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, can you? That's exactly what I said. <laughs> say can you tell us who what where you know and like if we were to pay twenty dollars a month which one should we pay right. twenty dollars a month exactly for? exactly <laughs> oh that's a good question i mean there there are so many right now i mean so yeah you've got barred with google obviously for like you know google suite of products you know, microsoft has one for teams that they're building in a lot of different features for um what's that one company- called uh, well, my, well, Microsoft has like, you know, it's, it, Microsoft Copilot is one of the examples, but they have a lot of different AI products that they're building into different aspects of Microsoft. So mm. like in one example, there's a company called Typeface, it's a startup that they just created a new app within Microsoft Teams to essentially help you know people that are maybe collaborating virtually to create, whether it's content or whatever else, and, and that maybe meet brand guidelines. Anyway, there's just another example, but like even just today, Amazon, um, they had their fall um products, you know, like hardware and software rollout today. And, and they announced, you know, the new smart screens and TV stuff, but they announced a new version of Alexa called Alexa LLM, which is oh, wow. going to be a more wow. improved version of Alexa to, you know, understand context and, wow. and just a bit, have a more conversational Alexa rather than the, the semi-smart one that's in everyone's devices gotcha. now. Alexa. So Alexa will be, Alexa has had a, a transplant of AI. <laughs> That's frightening because I'm, I'm just listening. I watch yeah. James Cameron movies and, you know, I don't, please tell me that it's, that I won't be alive before this AI becomes self aware and determines that us humans are basically a threat and that we need to be eradicated and they need to become our our overlords. Please tell me that that's not where we're headed with this. <laughs> please, please help because I get, I get nervous because it's like if it's artificial intelligence, intelligence why would it not you know and we and maybe you we put it into the defense systems and we do all this stuff that all these you know futurists have said you know is a possible bleak sort of application of this why why shouldn't we be nervous and scared and maybe that's the reason why these kinds of conversations are happening on capitol hill what are you what are you hearing on that front uh marty that's a, it's a great question i mean there are a lot of you know i think real existential worries that people have that's you know people have different views on whether or not they're you know you know, real worries are they're more more in the sci-fi realm still, but you know, others that do feel maybe realistic. So there's you know, example of, you know, should you allow, you know, AI to let's say like be a part of creating, you know, 
pharmaceuticals, for example, um, is, 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 is one thing people talk or there's a lot of copyright, you know, legal cases right now mm-hmm. what is this for a lot of artists and authors. I mean, even just uh, today, right. right. You know, we were just talking about yeah. that. Right. Seems like in the long game, these writers and, and uh, actors should be on strike because they yeah. do have to figure out what their future they is going to be. They have to figure be. out what they're going to be doing. Yeah. I saw another case of this, Marty, where some there, there were people who are apparently uh, getting information of your child off of the Internet and training a voice to call you up, basically pretending to be your child and saying that they've been kidnapped and to send money. And like all of this is like AI, fake, deep fake type stuff now. And so like it's scary, Barbara, because like there are bad actors out there well, that are looking for ways yeah. to like take this and take it in a completely different direction. I mean, I'm nervous, Barbara. I'm yeah. just going to tell you that. So like, you know, you write about this regulation and these other issues. What What's the what's on the front of regulating AI? Yeah. Like, what and are the what's rules? Happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's a good question. I think that's one of the things that people are trying to figure out. So, like, state some states are kind of trying to tackle this in different ways. Um, you know, like California just recently adopted a kind of a uh, what they want to be like a, a blueprint, I guess. Adopted essentially the White House's um, AI uh, Bill of Rights, which is kind of their the White House's kind of role. I'm, I'm getting in. I don't need to get in the weeds and all this, but really, the White House has their own kind of framework or a blueprint of how people should be thinking about responsible development of AI. And, and but then you've got companies that are. You know, a lot of companies have volunteered to set up and say, hey, we're going to do good. We're going to develop this responsibly. But not, there's no teeth yet to really hold them accountable to a lot of this stuff. So there's the question of how do you regulate this stuff and 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 whether you should or should you leave it up to companies themselves to self-regulate, which some people say that. But, yeah, the, the, it, but it goes hand in hand with the data privacy question of, you know, right. even the voice stuff, for example, if someone has audio of somebody's voice, should that be you know used to develop a, a fake version of, of whatever they have to say. And, and even uh, Senator Richard Blumenthal used a deep fake of himself, like trained on yes. his house speeches, you know, yes. not, re- not long ago, just to illustrate how just dangerous it can be. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, like a music producer, like, so what, what would be like if, if I asked ChatGPT to produce a song that is somewhere between song X and Y and it produces it, and then I like in put it out in the style of the Beatles. In, yeah, in the style of the Beatles and Kanye West. Or something. Yeah. Mash that up. Like, what are the implications? Like, can I get sued? I mean, like, I mean, what? I, I, to Barbara's point, like, what are the rules here? And like, who and who gets to set the rules? That like, maybe that's yeah. the bigger question. That's a great question. I mean, even uh, the U.S. Copyright Office uh, or was the Patent Office. Well, yeah, they, they just um, they just put out a new. Um, they're actually looking for people to weigh in on that, that same question right now as they develop new rules around this. And you've got some cases in you know the different courts that are looking at whether you can copyright something or whether something is copyright if something if AI content is infringing on copyrights. But it was yeah. a, a catchy example itself. Like somebody did a essentially a deep fake of Johnny Cash. But like taking a Folsom Prison Blues, but to the lyrics of Barbie Girl. <laughs> and, uh, it sounds realistic. It it's, sounds it's, um, good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but also just to, just to clarify, ChatGPT is putting a lot of you know guardrails on the back end. Mm. So if you ask certain things, it'll say, "Hey, um, I don't, I'm not allowed to do this," or "I'm oh. not going to give you this oh, that's interesting. So they're putting in a lot of things in the back end to try to mitigate this. Um, and um, other platform like a startup called Bria, they're making sure that they you know people are not allowed to ask for images that are deep fakes so um people are trying to from the get-go add in different tools but i mean there are other questions of a lot of the open source technology can be used by people and there aren't really any guardrails around what those platforms are 
you know, allowed or not allowed to do. Well, Marty, so with that terrific us. look, <laughs> we're going to have to end this conversation. We're going to go continue working sure, on our yeah. bunkers yeah, at Thank our you so much for joining us today. And, uh, Where can our listeners go yeah. to keep up with you and Incredible. what you're writing about? Yeah, sure. So all my stories are on uh, digiday.com if you want to find my stories there. And uh, still on uh, Twitter, of course, slash X or whatever we want to call it these days. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and this, of course, LinkedIn too, but it's all over the place. But yeah, I'd say Digiday, Twitter, LinkedIn are probably the main three. So. Well, thank you very much for trying to get us up to speed. I'm not yeah. sure it worked. But... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm me. more nervous. Yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah. Really thank appreciate you. you. Yeah. And we'd like to thank our producers, Dan Simpkins and Dana Cash. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and we replay our show several times throughout the week. You can follow us on Twitter at SXM Marketing and follow Business Radio at SXM Business for information about our programming. And check out our website, SXMMarketing.com, or check out Wharton's website, not at Wharton for in- information about our podcast and some other podcasts that we do. Thank you all for listening today. We'll be back next week. Till then, this has been Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn here with Americus Reed, Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.